Welcome to the Shining Light Podcast. This is Pastor Sam. And Patrick, no compromise with evil wife. And today we're going to be going over something that is very, very important. In fact, it's something that is is very much debated in Christianity today, and it is used all over in Christianity, and that is Romans 13. Romans 13. Now, Patrick, tell us a little bit how Romans 13 is generally used in Christianity today. Romans 13 is, is uh, when you read it, a lot of people will tell you that it's a carte blanche command that we are to obey government no matter what. That we're all subject to government. God ordains governments. And if we go against government at any time for any reason, which there's a little bit of the, you know, not every reason is right, but if we ever go against government, that we are going against the ordinances of God. Now, we've talked about Romans 13 in passing a few times on some of our podcasts, and we always said we needed to do a podcast on Romans 13. Today is that day. I know you guys have been waiting for this, and you are really excited about this because, I mean, this is something that's that's pretty important to go and to look at, this Romans 13 that we've been talking about for, for quite some time, but perhaps we should read Romans 13. Now, I didn't ask you ahead of time, do you have Romans 13 with you there? I've got all but verse 3. All but verse 3. <laughs> yeah. Well, you... You want to start reading, and I, I got verse okay. 3. If you got verse 3, I can get okay. the other the other one. So what I've got in here is Romans 1 through 7. And uh, verse 1 says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. That's pretty straightforward, right, we think. Number 2, verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. And then verse 3, it says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Verse 4, For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Verse 5, Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Verse 6, For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. And then verse 7, Render therefore to all their dues, a tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Okay, so this is this is pretty interesting. Now, I, I think it would be right for us to go and to present the uh, the other side of, of opposite of us, <laughs> and where we're going to fall on this in the Shining Light podcast, uh, and to see kind of how people use uh, this passage, and they go and they use it for all kinds of things. Now, it's generally rooted right here in verse one. I think it mm-hmm. is really where it starts off. They go and they say, "Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities." For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And then verse 2, where it says, Therefore, whoever resists this authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And so then they go and they say, You must obey government no matter what. That's exactly what they say. So no matter how evil or how terrible a governmental decree might be, that you are duty-bound by your faith in God to obey that government. And, and the funny thing is, do they think about, what if these commandments, these decrees, are in direct violation of God's morals? Are you then to still obey these decrees? So if government tells you, say you're in an Islamic part of the world, that you have to convert to, to uh, Islam, 
and you have to say the shahada. You have to publicly state there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. You do that three times, you're a Muslim, which denies Jesus, which denies God of the Bible. Are you then, under those circumstances, supposed to deny your faith? I would say no. <laughs> I think God would say no too. So there must be some, since there's a, a, a disconnect between what you think it would say, what we just talked about the other side would say, and what that practical application would have been and what I just mentioned, there, if there's a misunderstanding, the, the Bible does not conflict itself. Right. The, the Bible doesn't conflict itself. Now, it's, it's interesting because I think that most of the people on the other side would go and say, well, no, you're supposed to obey God rather than man uh, because of uh, where, where the Apostle Peter says that. Now, now Acts here's 529. The, yeah, Acts 529. But here's the issue. They only think that that applies to the gospel and believing in Jesus Christ. You, you know what we call that? What do we call that? Pietism. Not cacatism. Not cacatism. Pietism. Right, pietism. Okay. They are going and they're saying that, that really the only thing that matters in Christianity is that private life instead of the public life. So really, this is a pietist view of Romans 13 that we've been presenting here so far. Don't worry, that's not our view. We're not pietists, we're cacatists. So uh, that's something <laughs> that's important. We like our cake. That's right. I mean, we like to have our cake and eat it too, right? With pie sometimes. But we're not going to confuse that those two issues. I, you know how I like my pie? A lot of it with ice cream on it? Well, yeah, exactly. I was going to say a la mode, and that's, that covers <laughs> it right there. So that, that is exactly right. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> look, looking at here Romans uh, 13, one issue that, that I see with this is that this is a belief, first of all, that God has only ordained civil government. Has God ordained more than just civil government, Patrick? Well, God's ordained the family. He's ordained civil government, of course. He's ordained the church. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, God has ordained everything. That's, that's the whole point. The Creator sets down the foundation for civilization, for laws, for our conduct. He's God. That's absolutely right. Now, now I look at these kind of things, and I, I just kind of laugh because I think of, what if we applied the rules that people are trying to use Romans 13 to apply to, to other governments? Like, okay, we'll say a pastor, for, for example. He goes and he completely starts teaching something that is contrary to Scripture. He violates his constitution, his agreed-upon contract that, that, is, that the church has, that everybody has agreed to. It's a covenant relationship within the church. He, he goes and he violates that. He violates what, what the Word of God says. And can you imagine somebody going up to you and saying, Oh, you can't remove him as pastor. You, you can't say that he is wrong because God ordained him. He must be right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you, you know what we call that? Cacatism. Close. This is actually a really in-depth Greek word here. Uh, and, and this is something that, that we really need to find out and really need to, to understand this Greek word. This Greek word is called baloney. That's a bunch of baloney right there. It sounds more Italian, but I'll go with Greek. <laughs> uh, how else could this look perhaps like in the family government? Um, uh, maybe give an example of how that might look in the family government of, of a time when it's not right to obey the governing authority. Well, the husband who's supposed to be the head of the house, if if he were to issue a decree to his family to do something blatantly, I need you to go down to the store and steal me a carton of cigarettes. 
say, well, do the kids or the wife say, well, yeah, I, I guess that's what we got to do. I mean, he said we have to do it. Let's go ahead and break the civil laws and maybe go to jail and that sort of thing to go get him some cigarettes. Obviously, the answer is no. You don't go down and, and steal cigarettes. That's a wrong. That's against God's moral laws. That's against civil laws. You don't obey. That's absolutely right. We're not to obey that because uh, all authority, and this is something that we need to understand. We're going to see that develop a little bit here in Romans 13. All authority is delegated from God. It's delegated authority. It's given by God. So when somebody steps outside of what God wants, they're no longer exercising their authority properly, but rather they themselves are rebelling against God. And if you would follow those orders, you join in that rebellion. Your consent to that. You say, well, there might be some sort of consequences to me if I disobey the, the civil authority. Yeah, there might be. That, that's kind of the history of Christianity. Yeah, we got get in trouble, get martyred, get thrown in prison, get beaten, all these sort of things. These can happen for sure when you're doing the right thing. But when you're obedient to God, the greater glory to Him and to you is that obedience. And God honors that. Right. I believe it's 2 Peter, actually, that talks quite a bit about that. Uh, the idea of suffering for the right reason, suffering for righteousness sake, rather than just suffering for our own stupidity or, and things like that. But it actually talks about it's good to suffer for righteousness sake. Well, here on the Shining Light Podcast today, we've been talking about Romans 13. And if you like what you've heard so far, uh, go ahead and follow us at The Shining Light Podcast on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you find your, your podcast. Also, uh, go to our website, theshininglightministries.com. Once again, that's theshininglightministries.com. And you can find quite a few articles and different things like that. You can also find us a couple other places. Uh, one place is Worldview Weekend Radio. We're on Worldview Weekend Radio. And another place, this is a new one, we are also on Gatekeepers, and I believe it's .com. I should double check on that to make sure I'm giving you the right one. Uh, but Gatekeepers.com. And as soon as I can pull it up here, uh, yep, gatekeepersonline.com. Good thing I, I checked that. Gatekeepersonline.com. Uh, <laughs> don't, we, don't tell them where they went to if they gone to just the other right. one. So forget the other one. Right, but you, you should follow us there. You can find our articles in, in, in these different places. You can find our podcasts. Uh, but today we've been talking about Romans chapter 13 and how it's, it's generally misused. But I think it's time to transition into what is the right way to look at Romans 13? What is the right way to look at Romans 13? So, uh, Patrick, you want to start us off? What is the right way to look at this? Well, God does indeed ordain all powers and governments. The question here is, for what purpose? And in our government particularly, we have a responsibility to put righteous people in government. You're not going to put evil people in government and get righteous ruling or righteous law out of them. You put evil people in, you get evil out. So, right off the top, God allows us the choice to choose wickedly. And if we choose wickedly, that's what we're going to get in rule. So I was asked, actually, when uh, Barack Obama won re-election in 2012, there was some sort of discussion going on, and they referred to Romans 13. Well, don't you believe that God has ordained this man to be in office? Because he's in office. Obviously, uh, you know, if God didn't ordain it, how could he be in office? I said, yeah, I, I agree. And that kind of caught him off guard. He, he's ordained to be in office. The question is, for what purpose? So when the children of Israel were righteous, they enjoyed God's blessings. And when they were wicked, they earned his wrath. Evil rulers are often the bitter fruits of a nation rebelling against God. So mm -hmm. sometimes, do, does he appoint governments or people to authority to bless a nation that's been reverent and obedient to God? Or do, sometimes does he bring wicked rulers in to appoint his wrath on those same people that are in disobedience? 
Right. Sometimes he, he appoints uh, wicked rulers to, to bring his wrath upon that disobedience. And that's, that's something I think that is very uh, valuable for us to understand is a, a wicked ruler is often because we've been wicked, and that doesn't mean that we should go and obey the wicked rulings that they have, because that just breeds more wickedness. It kind of is the old adage, uh, two wrongs don't make a right. Right, but three lefts make a right. But um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so what we have here in our form of government, though, is the ability to choose. When you, when you point your finger at a politician, you say, these are some really rotten people, and you can legitimately say that for in a good many of them. But they're a reflection of the population that elects them. Again, good people don't elect bad people. Bad people elect bad people. So when you see evil in office, that's our society. Right. It's, it's often just that reflection upon us. It's that reflection upon us uh, for how we're living and how we vote and in what we value in life is unfortunately what we get here in a constitutional republic. Uh, well, it can be a fortunate thing too. <laughs> yeah, I say unfortunately we all unfortunately we all get the kind of government that only most of us deserve. Verse two is whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. So they're saying there you go, that's set in stone. You can't resist government. But again, we're talking about these are powers and authorities delegated. Now Paul in writing this was talking about a government that was performing its proper function of exercising delegated authority coming from God for the right reasons and for the right purpose. Right. And, and did you catch that there? It's, it's whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. So think about this. Is God a contradiction? As a Christian, we answer, no, he's not a contradiction. Is God changing? No, he's immutable. We believe that as Christians. That's, these are things that, that people would get right on their theology tests and all kinds of stuff in Christianity today. These are, are theology 101 questions. So if obeying these authorities is therefore then obeying the ordinances or because resisting the authority is to resist the ordinances, so therefore the opposite is true. That's how logic works. And so uh, obeying the authority then is obeying the ordinances of God. Does that mean that a ruler can go against God's ordinances and us then obey those ordinances and we're no longer obeying the ordinances of God then? So there's a problem there. The rulers, this is only within that delegated authority, within God's delegated authority that he's given to these rulers, that they must stay within the bounds of God's word. If you obey men in their wickedness and evil edicts, then you make man the ultimate authority over God. God becomes the inferior authority. Even though God defines morality, God delegates the authority. Suddenly then we jump man over the top of God. And now we're, we're, they think that this verse or these verses mean that we're to be obedient then to man. Right. Well, I, I, that's exactly where my, my uh, thought train was going because verse 3 says this. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And I know you don't have verse 3 over there. Uh, uh, do, do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. But that first part there, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. What about when they are a terror to good works? Right, or when they are promoting evil. Yeah, which, yeah, those two usually run together. Right, and, and the problem is, 
if we're going to go and interpret this passage saying that it is calling for an, a complete submission to government no matter what, if, if that is how we're going to interpret this, then we're saying that government is defining morality. Well, government is God. Right, right? and, and that's, that's what yep. they'd be saying, is that government is God. And we don't believe that government is God. We believe that God is God, then that he defines morality. So therefore, he is what is defining what's good and what's evil. So if the government goes and says, hey, they are a terror for those who are abolitionists against uh, abortion, for those who would stand for life, they are a terror to those. That They would say that if you save the life of a baby by going and interposing yourself in between you and an abortion worker, they would go and put you in jail. And there, there are certain Christians who would go out there and say, yeah, and they ought to have put you in jail because you've done wrong. You've disobeyed the authority. Now they're becoming a terror to good works instead of a terror to evil. That's that's a good example too, and this is what happens. People are they they read the first two verses and they kind of just slide over the rest of it. Like those have set the tone. I don't see anything else. And of course, this is encouraged by by certain segments. This is exactly what the world would say. This is exactly what secular government would say. This is exactly what dictatorial governments say. Is we are the ultimate authority, and you will obey us and whatever wickedness. Of course, they don't say what there's. They don't mean what they're saying is being wicked, but whatever that they want to decree. We're expected to comply to that. Now, our founders didn't believe that, and we went over, we've been going over some of that, our Declaration of Independence, that we have the authority and the right, and they demonstrated that right by rebelling against the authority of that day, that God was with them in that rebellion of authority, that they were able to break the chains of tyranny, put upon them the evil that was placed upon them to form their own new nation, actually founded on Christian principles, the first nation ever founded on Christian principles. And... Boy, God really blessed us. You can't say that, well, God really cursed that rebellion. I mean, they somehow won. But after that, he sure beat down on the new nation. We became the greatest nation on earth in the history of the world because of God's blessings, because we were obedient to God, not because of our own works, but because of that reverence we gave to God. And we're still coasting on the fumes of those blessings, but uh, we're certainly deep up to our necks in wickedness about to drown in that, and God's judgment will come on a nation that turns its back on him. Right, and to point out the Founding Fathers, I think that's something that's really important. Um, and they really actually considered Romans 13 uh, very much so before they they, they started the rebellion, uh, out, uh, the earthly rebellion, while it was actually heavenly submission. And that's something to remember. Uh, what was it that uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote, I believe, and uh, what is this? It's a certain part, I believe, in the Declaration of Independence where he goes and he lists all the, uh, and maybe it wasn't, wasn't that, but he lists all the reasons why they're, they're rebelling against uh, England. Do you remember what that's called? That portion of it? Yeah. I think it starts in Chapter 3. Um, uh, yeah, it escapes me what the precise word we're talking about. But they listed the, the specific details of the things that have been going on that was not right. And they also said, you know, we, we have prostrated ourselves before the king. We brought our petitions to him and his ministers, and we've asked for relief. And all we get, basically, is him doubling down on us and making things even worse. He won't listen to our cause. He won't listen to our cries for mercy or lenience. We're therefore now forced, because of this wickedness, to take these, these actions of separation. That's absolutely right. And 
Uh, today at the Shining Light Podcast, we've been talking about Romans chapter 13. We've been looking at Romans chapter 13. We've gone over the wrong view of Romans 13. We've started to look at the right view. We're going to continue that today. And uh, is it okay if I read a little bit from our good friend Mike Spaulding? Yeah, Mike really is on top of his game on this one, as he usually always is. Yeah. But yeah, this is very relevant and should be part of what we're talking about. Right. So this is uh, at the transformingword.com, which is uh, Pastor Mike Spaulding's blog. You can find him. Uh, you should look up Dr. Mike Live, and you should also look up uh, Soaring Eagle Radio, and you should follow his uh, podcast. He puts out a couple a week in, in his show, um, but this is at thetransformingword.com, which is, I believe, his, his blog, uh, but he goes and he talks about Romans 13. And let me see here. He starts off, we want to start off right here. Uh, God does not dictate uh, democracy, socialism, or any other uh, man-made system of political theory. He merely states there should be order concerning nations. There are three interesting words used in this passage. The first one is subjection in verse 1 and verse 5. The second one is resist, verse 2. The third one is ordinance, verse 2. All three of these words have the same root in the Greek, Tezo. Tezo means to appoint. Thus, subjection is hupo tezo, where we get hyper from, and this word meaning under the skin. Hypodermic, for example. So, subjection is to be under authority. Then, resist is anti-tezo, meaning against the appointment or authority. Finally, we have ordinance, and that is dea tezo, and this means uh, uh, thorough or complete. Think of diagnosis, which means thorough knowledge. So that which is ordained is something that is thoroughly appointed, dea tezo. So how does this all fit together? We are to be hypotezo, subject to, not antitezo, opposed to, that which God has dea tezo, ordained, what has God ordained? God has ordained government as a structure of order and nothing else. Now let's look at the most overlooked part of the entire passage, the qualifiers. Verse 1, every soul is to be in subjection, hypotezo, to the governing authority of God. There is no authority but from God. In other words, God establishes government to represent him, to exercise authority based on his character. Verse 2, Therefore, because God has ordained mankind to live in, ordin in orderly life under his authority, those who resist God's authority, when rightly present, will receive condemnation. Very clear here, obey whatever government is over you. No! Obey governments that demonstrate God-honoring laws and conduct towards citizens. Conduct towards citizens. Verse 3 and 4 provide the clarification on which authority must look like if Romans 13 is to apply. Verse 3, for or because properly functioning God-ordained authority rewards good behavior, good as it lines up with what God calls good. In other words, God-ordained authority rewards God-honoring people and punishes evil, God-dishonoring behavior. Verse 4, for or because God-ordained authority is meant to be a minister to equip citizens to lead a God-honoring life while recognizing that all will not, uh, which then he says free will there, 
Uh, for those who resist Antitezo, God's authority, rightly wielded by God honoring governments, the sword is justified. So God does ordain governments as a role to manage order. He does not ordain individuals or even forms of government. Thus, God does not require submission to governments that have left their God honoring moorings and have turned evil into good and good into evil. What do you think about that, Patrick? Well, he. <laughs> He's spot on is why we put this in here. So there, there's a point when delegated authorities, given whether the father or the pastor or to governments, those delegated authorities given by God, delegated to them by God, which means they're on temporary loan, ex- exercising their authority under his subjection to, to God. When they become evil, when they do evil and they misuse that authority, then they become illegitimate in the eyes of God and should be of the eyes of man. They're no longer worthy of that delegated authority. Now, um, God causes nations to rise and fall, but he also gives people the ability, as he did the founders, to cause that, that breaking, to, to bring that authority, that government down, to replace it with a more God-honoring government. That's the only legitimate government, is a God-honoring government. Now, there's pagan governments all over the world. I get that. I understand that. There's pagan lands, wicked people, and they suffer. The people suffer because of that. They suffer under tyranny because of that. We were different because of our, our founding, because of the principles we were founded upon, because of God's providence. We are not commanded, even though that government was once righteous, it is no longer. We are not commanded to obey government in such things as homosexual marriage is okay. No, it's not. It's okay to kill babies. No, it's not. And as Christians, we need, there's a lot of us claim to be Christians in this country still. Now, not a lot in practice, but we claim we need to make a stand. Absolutely. We do need to make a stand. And, and, and you know, I really think here in verse 4 of Romans 13 that it really hits it on the head. It says, For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister to avenge, to execute wrath on him who practices evil. You know, it says there, For he is God's minister to you for good. How can we think that a wicked government is actually God's minister for good? It has to be within the bounds of God's morality. Otherwise, God is just, he, he, he doesn't even, he's not even saying things right here if, if that's the case. And that doesn't make any sense. But it really sums it up well in verse 7. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. Does a wicked government deserve honor, Patrick? They don't deserve honor. They don't deserve tribute. They don't deserve custom. They deserve to be removed is what they deserve to be. We are not, these verses are not telling us we have to show obedience to to wicked government. When you understand it, break it down as we have the way it was meant to be, to heard and be understood. Then it's not talking about a government that's wicked. We're not to be obedient to that government. No more than we'd be obedient to a government that says you have to deny Jesus Christ. Absolutely right. So are you trying to say, Patrick, that rebellion to tyranny is obedience to God? That was the one of the main rallying cries of the revolution. Yes, the, the war for independence. That's exactly what they said. And they also said no king but King Jesus. They didn't say King George because, you know, King George was head of the government. Notice there was no fidelity to King George. It was King Jesus. There's a higher authority than government. There's a higher authority than man. That would be God. That would be Jesus. Amen. 
Well, hopefully you've understood Romans 13. You understand Romans 13 better now. You understand where people are coming from, from the other side, how how they are getting this wrong. Really, they only read verses 1 and 2, and they don't understand the actual context of this. And some of these folks are well-intended. Right. They just don't know any right. better. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so that that's what we're here. We're, we're here to shine light in the darkness. In fact, uh, I, I want us to remember Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And that's what we're trying to do here on the Shining Light Podcast, is expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Well, for the Shining Light Podcast, this is Pastor Sam. And Patrick, no compromise with Evil Wyatt. Have a great day. You hear him talking about evolution.